I love planning and organizing and I'm not alone. I thought it's only me who is weird and get excited about office supplies, but actually that's not true. In this episode, I'm speaking with Amanda Kingsmith, who's also a lover of systems and organization. Amanda is a yoga teacher, yoga business coach, world traveler, and the host of the Mastering the Business of Yoga podcast, which you definitely have to check out if you don't know it yet. We met years ago in person in Bali when I was just getting started building my business. And since then, we've been following each other and I've been a guest on her podcast twice. So it was about time that I invited her to the Blissful Biz podcast and it was amazing to catch up. Amanda shares some great advice how to organize your task and to-do list and opens up about her own struggles with overwhelm and how she overcame it by setting boundaries. I can't wait for you to meet her and I'm sure you'll enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Uh, one more thing, the sound is a little bit off in the beginning, but hang in there, it gets better. And now let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Susanne Reicher, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Hi there, Amanda. Welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me today, Suzanne. It's awesome to be connecting with you again. It's so awesome. I think I've been on your podcast twice and we yeah. met actually in person in Bali. So I feel not a lot of people know that, um, which was so nice. So it's really nice to see your face again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you too. It's so cool because I know so many people from the online world, but you're actually one of few people that I've actually met in person, like that I've actually given a hug to. So I love your podcast. Um, I love your voice and how you do interviews and everything about it. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners know your podcast as well. But um, for those of, of them who don't, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and where you come from, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for those words as well. I appreciate that. As you know, podcasts are a labor of love for sure. They're, they're a lot of work to get that finished product out there. So it's always nice to hear when somebody enjoys it. Um, but yeah, for people who aren't familiar with me, I'm Amanda Kingsmith. I'm a 500-hour registered yoga teacher. I am a yoga business coach and consultant with yoga teachers and studios. And then I'm also the host of MBOM or Mastering the Business of Yoga. And that has been my my baby that I've been growing for the last almost five years. I launched it in February 2016. And it really came from me being a new yoga teacher, entering the yoga world and realizing that I didn't get business training in my teacher training. So I had come from the corporate world. I had a business background. I have a business degree. And I was kind of trying to figure out like how to use my corporate knowledge of getting a job and working in studios to make a living as a yoga teacher. And I felt like a podcast would be an amazing way to learn from people who were steps ahead of me, but also teach people who were a little bit behind me. And so it's been really fun to learn so much stuff from all the yoga teachers I've interviewed around the world and see people have these aha moments when they realize that they can be a successful and sustainable yoga teacher if they do things like marketing and sales and building a website and that type of thing. You moved into teaching, marketing, and online courses yourself as well over time, right? Yeah. So I guess an interesting sort of part of my story is that I'm originally from Western Canada, as is my husband. Western Canada is super, super cold. And my other passion outside of yoga is travel, which is why I was in Bali meeting up with you, Suzanne. And 
I really, really love to travel from a young age. And so part of my journey has been mixing yoga and travel, which is not always easy. And so my husband and I were striving for not just taking career gaps to do backpacking trips, but figuring out how to work remotely and travel anywhere in the world. And that's really where I was at when you and I met in person. I was over in Asia. We were living in Canggu for a couple of months and being able or Ubud for a couple of months and being able to, I guess, like live in these places that were a little bit more affordable, build our business, connect with other people doing like-minded things. And so part of what I've always been doing has been building an online business. And so it's part of what I've been sharing over the last couple of years is online courses, online marketing, digital marketing. And so with that, as that's become more popular. It's things that I've been teaching other yoga teachers how to do. And then of course, with the last you know six months of the pandemic, pretty much everyone's flipped their business to online. And so I felt like in many ways, I was kind of like well-equipped to support with that. And then I was also surprised in a couple of ways because I support a couple of yoga studios and I've never run a yoga studio online. That was something that was totally foreign to me and I kind of had to figure out. So yeah, it's this interesting balance of like, I've understood online business for the last couple of years because that's how I built my stuff and then also learning lots throughout this whole process. Mm, that's really interesting. So you supported other yoga studios and set up their online programs in, or what did you do the last month? Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. So I was down in Panama in March when the pandemic hit or kind of hit North America, I guess I should say, since it had already been making its way across the world for many months. And I actually had a week booked off because my parents were supposed to be coming from Canada down to Panama to see us. And thank God I had that week booked off because my parents ended up canceling their plans because this was right around the middle of March. Things were heating up. My husband and I decided we needed to get back to Canada and in this process, both the studios that I work with, so I do studio management and digital marketing for two studios, one here in Canada and one based in the US, both of them were like, we need to pivot our business models basically overnight. And so I spent that like whole week in mid-March, with it, which I think lots of people have similar stories, just crazy week, trying to get home out of my apartment back to Canada and also pivoting to yoga studios online. And so six months later, both studios are doing well. Both of them have been able to open their physical doors again in some capacity, obviously with the physical distancing, masks, um, extra sanitization protocols, and, and that type of thing. Yeah, that's the but same essentially they've, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And they've both been live streaming their classes to their members for the last six months. And it's been going surprisingly well. It's definitely different. It was a lot of work in the first little bit to kind of figure out all the tech stuff, but it's pretty cool that we work in an industry that can pivot in that way. I know. I love it um, that I was able to see so many yoga teachers stepping up and re being really the leader in their community. And you're like, okay, I have to learn this now. I have to get started. I have to embrace this tech side of things so I can still help my students. And also like students, like who probably before the pandemic thought, oh no, I don't, who would never thought about like practicing online. And suddenly mm. everybody is open to the idea and sees the benefits. I mean, you don't have to do it exclusively, but it's such a nice addition. It offers so much more freedom to the students as well as to the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually really cool. Like a couple of the yoga teacher clients that I work with, you know, their some of their goals had been like create an online course or start a YouTube channel, start filming classes. Even the studio that I work with here in Canada, we had been building like an online library of classes very, very, very slowly over the previous years so that members who were going away could continue to practice with us. So it was this concept we talked about, but there'd never been any sense of urgency with anyone that I was working with. And it was really amazing to see some of the teachers I work with step up and they're like, the YouTube channel went to the top of my list. Like I filmed 10 videos this weekend and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And you know, studios are just like, okay, well I need to pivot. And I mean, part of this is like being in survival mode is, is never great, right? Like we don't want to be in that survival mode. We want to thrive, not just survive. But to see studios and teachers really step up and say, okay, this is what I need to do to survive and this is what I need to do to thrive was really empowering, I think. 
I think so too. I mean, yes, of course, it was like very painful times or still is for a lot of people. But mm -hmm. um, for those who really could see the silver lining and the new opportunities, I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, me too, for sure. Yeah. Do you know, like, Radiantly Alive in Ubud? I just had Jasmine on the podcast, and they just started an online studio as well. But they had oh, to with so recorded awesome. classes because they really had difficulty streaming live with the internet situation in Bali being mm -hmm. what it is. Um, yeah, so it's really amazing. <laughs> yeah. So for them, it's also a long-term strategy thing because they have so many students who come to Ubud, who come to Bali, and then want to continue practicing with their teachers that they fell in love with. And so she's like showing all this jungle atmosphere. You have the jungle in the background and all that. It's super nice. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that. Yeah. One of the things that's really cool about online, and this is, I think, one of the things that's kind of hard to wrap your head around as I think a teacher or a studio owner is that you can reach people from all over the world. So I'm sure this is certainly the case for Radiantly Alive and Ubud, which I'm so grateful that studio is still doing well because that's an amazing studio. Um, but here I live in a tourist town in Western Canada, just outside the Banff National Park. And we've had people visit from literally all over the world. And it was cool to see as we shifted everything online that all of a sudden people were like, hey, I live in Ireland and I came to visit three years ago and I'd like an online pass because I can practice with you guys again. And something that was also really cool is one of our most popular teachers, she's Italian. She has a Canadian passport as well because she lived here for 10 years, but she moved back to Italy to be with her partner about a year ago. And all of a sudden we were able to bring her back onto our teaching roster. People were thrilled. So right, yeah, yeah, it's like this opportunity to reach more people. And especially if you've had connections, I think that that's one of the, one of the silver linings of, yeah. of this whole crazy pandemic. Yes, definitely. So um, I know, I mean, I talked about online courses and online business a lot. I mean, it's like basically everything all I talk about, um, but I know it's overwhelming for a lot of yoga teachers or awareness entrepreneurs and um, they don't really know where to start or it's just so much to do. It's like this never-ending to-do list. And I think we both know about that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yes. So, because I'm very organized and I think you are very organized. So, let's, um, yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about how to organize your business and share some really practical tips with our listeners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I think a good place to start with organization is kind of looking at what you're currently doing and laying out everything that you've got on the go for your business and getting really clear and honest as well with what's working well and what's not working well. So a way that you can do this is with a notebook, you can just write everything out or you could get like a big piece of you know colored paper, like a poster board or something and kind of write everything out so you have a very clear picture of it. You could even so, just do yeah. it on like a, a notes app on your, on your phone or whatever. Like whatever you want, just write it all out so that you're really clear on what's going on. But yeah, and the then numbers, from there. Add the numbers so you know yeah. what's worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And something, something that's really simple even to do that, that sometimes I do when I'm visually laying this out is I'll make it kind of like one thing attaches to the other. And if it's something that makes me money, I just write a dollar sign by it. Maybe I don't dive like specifically into all the numbers right away. Um, if you're more like analytical with that stuff, yeah, having numbers like download numbers or student numbers or dollar numbers is a really great way to understand a big picture of your business. But you really want to just get clear on like everything that's going on in your business and then start looking at what's working and what's not. And then a big thing I'm a fan of, which I'm assuming you probably are as well, is a calendar system. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I have everything set up in Asana and even my yearly calendar. If like a column, I don't know if you know that system, it's a little bit like Trello where you have columns. And so you have one column for every month. So everything goes in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Having a project management system like Trello or Asana is amazing. Um, I have one called, I've used both of those and I, I love them as well. And they're so good for like project outlining. Like if you're creating a course, for example, you can have a board for that with all the to-dos and then you can assign dates, which is so great. 
Um, another one I like that I use because it's more to-do list style is uh, called Todoist. Mm-hmm. And that one's awesome because you can do the same thing, like assign it to projects and have sections for it. And then I like it because you get to tick it off and it goes away, which is oh, awesome. But I like the little <laughs> to-do- unicorns that fly over my screen in Asana when I tick something off. <laughs> Yeah. Asana is awesome. It's a really, really great platform. So Mm -hmm. any of those are, are really great. And with that too, like having a project management system is really awesome, but then also having like a calendar. So I've talked to a couple of different yoga teachers where they're like, oh, I just do everything in my head. And I'm like, you have all your classes in your head. You have all your subbing dates. You have your privates. Plus you have your whole like personal life with like doctor's appointments, coffee dates with friends, date night with your partner. That's a lot for your brain to be computing all the time. So I, (laughs) yeah, I kind of think about this idea of like with our computers, for example, actually my computer was doing this right before I need to clear some stuff off of it. You know, if I have too many tabs open or too many programs running, I'm on a MacBook. So I get that like rainbow wheel. It's so pretty, but it's like the wheel of death, right? It just spins and spins and spins. My computer fan starts heating up. My computer gets super noisy. And that's when like my computer is like, hey, we only have so much RAM. And you're like really stretching me here. Close some of this stuff down. And I think about that with our brain. I know, right? I Yeah, probably actually should. I also have a lot of tabs open, so I forgive my computer most of the time. But it's like this idea where... You know, obviously the human brain is much more complex than a MacBook Pro. I fully acknowledge that. But at the same time, like if we're using a lot of our brain capacity for just processing what our schedule looks like, where is the room for like creativity and ideas to come through? So I like the idea of putting everything into a calendar, into a project management system so that you don't have to worry about missing a class or missing an appointment because your brain is consistently having to think about that stuff. Whereas if it's in your calendar, you can just trust that it's there and you don't have to worry about it. So yeah, something like Google calendars can be, can be what great. Do you use? Online um, calendar or a paper planner? So I use actually a combination because I've got my booking calendars and all my systems in like through, I use Acuity through my business for booking podcast episodes and one-on-ones and stuff like that. But then I also use a passion planner. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Like it's a really beautiful planner and it just, it's like right beside me. People can't see, but it's like right beside me. So I can look at it constantly and it gives me this like really clear visual of what my days look like. So I use my calendar to put in like appointments and times that I need to do things so I can see the week as a whole. And then what I do is I use my project management software to add a to-do list. So I call like like scheduling, like things that have certain times, I call those pivot points. That's something that a business coach that I worked with a couple of years ago taught me about is like assign things in your day where you have to show up a certain time. Like for example, our interview, Suzanne, would be a pivot point for me at 9.30 a.m. my time. So I know... I need to be here at 9.30 in a quiet space, ready to chat with you. And then, you know, I can look at my day and say, okay, I have another podcast interview at 11 my time. I have a call at two and then I've got a call tonight. And so then I get a clear picture of what my day looks like and I can schedule accordingly how much I can actually get done. Because I think one of the things around organization is that people get... People get kind of stressed when it doesn't work and then they stop using it. But I think that it's not really the systems. It's how we use the systems. So if you have, for example, what do I have? One, two, three, four calls today. If I put like 10 items on my to-do list, I mean, that's crazy, right? I'm never going to get those things done because I have four calls and then I'm going to be stressed about everything. So for me, having this visual where I can see all my appointments, I don't have to worry too much about them. I can just show up for them. I know I've done my prep work and all that type of thing. And then I've got this to-do list that's like realistic with my time. I feel like that really helps me. Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's something that takes practice to really know how long a task will take. I mean, it's still sometimes you just put too much on your to-do list. I still do it, even if I've been like a project manager for for forever. Um, But, and it's interesting because I always tried using a paper planner because they are so beautiful, right? But then I never used them. (laughs) And I'm just too lazy to carry them around, especially when you're traveling a lot. It's like, no, I have everything online now. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And this is like 
finding a system that works for you, I think is probably one of the most important things. So that's why I usually like mention lots of different options and try mm-hmm. things to see if they work because yeah, yeah but also if, like if, sticking if not- something. I mean, you like it doesn't make sense to try something out every two weeks and because no system mm-hmm. is going to be perfect. I think it's just like, okay, you just stick with it. And this is not what's going to move your business forward. Yes, you have to get organized, but don't get, mm-hmm. don't use that to start procrastinating. Yes, 100%. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like, we don't want to get stuck in this idea of making it perfect either. And I think perfectionism is something that a lot of people struggle with and it kind of holds them back from actually taking action on things in all sorts of ways. And it's the same with your organization. I think, I mean, my organizational systems have gone through so many different shifts (laughs) and I've tried, you know, certain things and it's kind of just like you said, picking something, committing to it. But if you're not using it, then figuring out something that you will use. Because I think that's the most important part. Like if you think, oh, I'm going to use this, I'm going to buy this beautiful planner for the year. And then you don't use it all year. Don't buy another one the next year. Um, But, you know, giving yourself a year to try to get into that habit is is a great idea for sure. You don't have to buy like 12 planners and do one each month. (laughs) So you have all your projects and tasks. So you wrote all that down and uh, maybe you planned your calendar for the next weeks. What do you do next? Yeah, for sure. So the next thing you do is you need to be really realistic with your schedule and really realistic with your tasks. And you brought up a great point, Suzanne, and this is, I'm in the same boat. Like, sometimes we can do a really good job at understanding how much we can get done in a day. And sometimes we overestimate or underestimate tasks. And this is where you need to be a bit flexible and also gracious with yourself because it takes a while to kind of understand exactly how long something's going to take. You know, in the beginning of podcasting, I would budget, you know, I feel like, oh, I can get this episode edited and produced in an hour and a half. And then like three hours later, I'm still, you know, chugging along on it versus like, now that's something that I know I could do in that time period because I've done it a lot. So you've got to kind of, you know, be gracious and understand and and learn as you go a little bit. But so you look at your, so you've got your calendar, you've got your different, I call them pivot points, but your different things that you have to show up at different times. And then the other thing you want to do is have your to-do list. So you want to look at all the things that you want to get done either each day or each week and then pick like three to five per day. Five is even a lot, maybe one to three per day that you want to put in your calendar depending on how much time you have. So for me, for example, I said I have four calls today. So for me, this is like a one to three task list day. And the thing is, is if I finish everything that I wanted to finish, then I've got this to-do list that I can go to where I know I could start working on other stuff or I just use that as like self-care time. So you can kind of figure out how you want to utilize your time based on how much you have going on. So for the average yoga teacher, they're probably doing more things like teaching classes and stuff like that. So let's say a yoga teacher has a Monday schedule where they teach three classes let's just say that they're at nine, noon, and five. So there's three classes kind of spread out. If you're going in the studio to teach either online or in person, you're going to need to factor in your commute time and how early you have to be because it's not just that hour class. Make sure that that is in your schedule and you've got that time blocked off and that you're not counting on that for something else. So say you teach at nine, maybe you need from like eight to nine to do all your stuff, show up, get early, do your prep, get in, get in the zone. And then 10, you finish, maybe it's like 11 by the time that you've like decompressed and stuff like that. Then I would realistically give myself probably time to eat. This is one thing that I think as entrepreneurs, we often don't schedule in time to eat. It's something that I, I went from like, I take lunch breaks when I worked in corporate to like, I shove food down my throat while checking emails <laughs> type thing as an entrepreneur. And I'm slowly switching this back into like taking proper lunch breaks because that time is so important for you, for your self-care. So making sure you've got a bit of time to eat. And this just means like, okay, I don't schedule anything until, you know, I don't schedule anything until I've after I've taken care of that. And then in this case, this means that that teacher has time to eat and then they go back to teach. 
So you don't want to take calls in between. Ideally, you don't want to count on doing admin time in there. You want to just give that time for you so that you can show up and teach. So then we teach at 12. Let's say it's like 1.32 by the time we're ready to do something. So maybe you have between two and four for admin time. What can you do in two hours and what is most important for you to take care of on that Monday? Scheduling that stuff in. And then you're going to go back, you're going to teach your third class. And then what I would do is just give yourself the evening for yourself, your own practice, time with your family, cooking dinner, that type of thing. And so the day can feel like a little bit more, I guess, relaxed and in control when you're not trying to shove stuff in that doesn't really fit there. And sometimes people are like, oh, but I have all these things to do. I have this massive to-do list. Everything needs to get done. And this has probably been my biggest struggle with this because I'm like, oh, there's all these emails and there's tasks that need to get done. So I'll just work late. No, you need to be realistic with what you can do in a day. Remember that you're a human and push that stuff then to the next day. And if you have to deliver on something to somebody other than yourself, you need to be realistic with those, those deadlines that you give. Like, saying I can deliver on this thing or, or record a class in between my classes and just not eat, like that's not feasible for most of us. So you just have to have that kind of realistic aspect and looking at your kind of schedule week to week like this will help you understand, okay, so I have two hours for time on Monday. Maybe you have, you, you teach less on Tuesdays, you have four hours maybe you don't teach it all on Wednesdays. So maybe you make that your whole admin day or your project day or something like that. So kind of going through and understanding when you can get stuff done then means if somebody says like, hey, can you do this for me? You can say, yeah, for sure. I'm going to work on it on Wednesday. I'll have it to you by Thursday morning or something like that. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. It's great. Um, I know a lot of people that are struggling then to add like bigger projects to their to-do list because, you know, like it's easy to put things like, okay, update Instagram or something on your to-do list, which, I mean, it's maybe important, but normally not as much, not as important, not really moving your business forward in the most cases. So a project like setting up a YouTube channel, <laughs> how would you put that into that system? Yeah. Yeah. This is a really, really great question. And I think this is like one of the hardest components with organization other than maybe getting our calendar system solid. Um, there's a, there's a couple different things with that. So I think that I kind of work under like one sort of project per month is sort of how I work. So I try not to take too many project type tasks on at once. So Picking kind of one thing that you can work on per month, I think is good. So just to give an example, I would say if you are wanting to start a YouTube channel and create some videos for that, create an online course and build out a membership, that's not going to happen in one month unless you have like a ton of time to do this. I'll or give that team. caveat. But e uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or a big team to support then, you. So I'm kind yeah. of... <laughs> That's a lot of stuff to kind of launch in one month. So I'd say like the average yoga teacher who's maybe working just as a solopreneur, teaching lots of classes, maybe has a family, one project per month is really, really key. And with that, I kind of use this analogy. So I really like pizza. So I kind of give this analogy of when I work with clients. Uh, so the pizza man shows up, maybe you've ordered like a large veggie pizza and he gives you the pizza. It's like a big box, right? Can you imagine if they didn't cut the pizza and we like opened the box and we just tried to like pick the whole thing up and start eating? <laughs> this is the idea of like, oh, let me that. do this project overnight. It's so ridiculous, right? When you Let's think about that. Yeah, we do, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do it all the time as entrepreneurs. So what I say is like, just like you would eat pizza, you want to take, so your project is the pizza in this analogy. You come inside and like, it's cut for you. So we're going to cut up our project into pieces And then you're going to take a couple pieces and put it on your plate. So maybe you start with like two pieces on your plate. You decide if you're hungry, maybe you go back for two more pieces. Maybe you don't. It's up to you, depending on how hungry you are. And then from there, if you had this whole large pizza to yourself, if you ate like two pieces per day, you would finish the whole pizza, but it's way less ridiculous than just trying to pick the whole pizza up and shove it in your mouth. So when you think about projects, I think about one project per month 
looking at all the elements of the project, splitting it up into smaller pieces, and then dividing it up day by day or week by week. And once you've done that part to actually get the project done, having a project day or a project like chunk of time can be super helpful. So looking at a day where you don't have a ton of other obligations, like maybe it's your day off of teaching, maybe it's a day that you like specifically set out for like, I don't check emails this day. I don't take calls. I just work on projects. And then when you sit down, you can plan out your project or you can just start taking action on it. And this is a method that I used myself when I launched my signature program, Yoga Business Bootcamp for the first time almost three years ago. And Honestly, I don't think I ever would have got that course done if I hadn't done this method because we're so busy day to day. There's so many day to day tasks. It's so hard to fit this time in. And it's so hard to get in like the creative flow with it too, especially if your inbox is going off and your phone's going off and you're like, oh, I only have like 20 minutes to do it here and there. I'm not really like getting much done. So I love the idea of like focus project time. Did you ever struggle? Um, you know, like in the last years building your business where you came to a point that it was all too much and you just didn't feel it anymore or you had problems um, motivating yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely, definitely human. I feel like that actually like happened kind of during this pandemic. I think supporting two yoga studios, coming back to Canada in the middle of a crisis Uh, like personally, I mean, I like didn't have anywhere to live. My husband and I don't have a home here. So we came back in the middle of this crisis with no home. Our stuff split between our two parents' houses. Our car was not where we were. It was like, oh my God, it's freezing cold. Everyone's stressed about this virus. So personally, there was a lot of stress. And then the studios was like, super stressful. On top of that, I'm trying to flip my content to support yoga teachers and I just saw like a lot of people who were like, oh, use this time to learn a new skill or make a craft or do baking. And I kept being like, I'm so grateful for work, but like F that, I'm so busy, <laughs> you know? I know, so. I felt the same. I was like, I wish I would have a few weeks just to watch Netflix and stay at home in my pajamas because I was super busy too. I just saw like the numbers middle of March, like my traffic, everything exploded. Because yeah, which is was, so great. Yes, I was so grateful for it. But yeah, this is a busy time. It's now it's a little bit quieter, but but I'm yeah, yeah, for sure. Too. Everything's yeah. kind of like yeah, leveling out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, I do as well. I think that's the thing that's been the hardest for me in this whole pandemic is not being able to travel. Yeah, probably next year. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> do you have to spend the winter in Canada <laughs> maybe I'm not sure yet <laughs> we do have some countries available to us as Canadians <laughs> the leaves are starting to change because it's you know September as we're recording and I'm like this is my time to go I feel like I'm a bird that's been like caged in an environment that they're not used to staying in <laughs> but no we're safe and we're healthy here so we're grateful for that <laughs> Yes, yes, it's always it's good to remember what you have to be grateful for. But, you know, sometimes it's annoying, too, because I think we are the same that um, this freedom and location independence is like a big motivational factor. I mean, it was for me definitely in building my business. That's why I am so excited about this whole online course business model. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love learning with online courses and I love teaching through them. And I love that I can do that from anywhere. Not just not right now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. And I think too, it's like you and I have both been working for like years to make sure that our businesses are sustainable and profitable from anywhere in the world. And it's not easy to do that. Um, it's definitely a challenging thing to do. And it kind of sucks when you've worked really hard to do that. And then you feel like that's taken away from you in some ways. So I think that that's like a challenging aspect for sure. I'm sure the other travelers listening to this can relate as well. Yeah. What did you do? Like, um, did you change anything in your organization, in your schedule when you, you know, like when you were struggling, did you, for example, plan more free time or what did you do? Was that possible? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So what I realized during this period of time was that so much of the boundaries that I set had been around 
my social life being busy and my travels. So it was the type of thing where like, oh, I don't check my phone and my email because I'm away this weekend. I'm going on like a mini adventure, an adventure or something like that. Or like, oh, I'm offline after 5 p.m. because I'm in Panama and I'm going out to like a cool restaurant for dinner with friends. And so all of a sudden when, and, and our lockdown wasn't like super severe in Canada, but pretty much everything was closed. So basically all you could do was go to the grocery store, come home. It was freezing cold when I came home. So maybe go for like a 10 minute walk. Like everything was basically closed. So all of a sudden I realized like, okay, well, I'm just sitting around doing nothing essentially. Like if I'm not working, so I might as well just work in this time. Plus there's so much to get done. And I was kind of in this like high anxiety stress mode of like, I need to make sure that everyone in my business is supported. And so I just realized after probably like two months of doing that, that I was just burning myself out and it wasn't feasible. And so I needed to set some boundaries and my boundaries just looked, you know, pretty standard. I said, okay, I don't work till 9 a.m. So anytime before 9 a.m. is just my personal time for my routine because that's important. I set like an admin hour for myself between 9 and 10 a.m. normally. So I do like my emails and kind of my check-ins then. And then I close my inbox for the day and I don't do emails again until I'm getting ready to shut down. And that's been a game changer. So I'm not just reactive to things that are coming in in the moment. I'm setting specific times for that. And for anyone who is struggling with email, this is a huge, huge game changer. This has been so beneficial to me. The other thing has been like taking evenings off. And like we were talking about, you know, maybe learning a new skill or doing something that I want to do or just doing whatever I wanted to do with that time. I had to get over sort of this guilt that I felt for not working in the evenings and not supporting my clients because, oh, I'm not doing anything anymore. I should just do this work. Well, no, that's time for me. That's time for my brain to rejuvenate. It's time for me to relax. So doing things, especially as it warmed up, like going for walks, doing a yoga class online, maybe doing like a, a workout from home, um, just like hanging out with my husband, doing Zoom calls with friends, um, going for picnics in the park. Now we've got lots open so I can go back to restaurants and stuff like that if I want. And that's been really helpful. Um, but just setting those boundaries and then also weekends. Weekends had just become like another day. So mm. I think I went a, strong, a long period of time where I was working like seven days a week and it was just not feasible. I was like, this isn't why I quit my like full-time job. It wasn't to work seven days a week. Like this sucks. And then I realized that I couldn't be mad at anybody but myself because I was the one doing it to myself. It wasn't somebody telling me I had to work. In fact, when I talked to the people that I work with and said, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to be checking my phone and emails on Saturdays, Sundays, they were like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, why have you been doing that? <laughs> um, so I think setting those boundaries and giving yourself that time and, and releasing yourself from the guilt of it, I think is so important. I think especially like in a crisis, we give, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. There's a lot of fear there and it does become this like survival mode, which is a beautiful thing that we have as humans to keep us alive. But it's also, if you do that for too long, it can put you into just high stress, anxiety, which is not good long-term. We know that as yoga teachers, it's not good for our brains. It's not good for our bodies. It's not good for our mental health. So if anybody's been feeling that, like trusting that you're going to be okay and then setting those boundaries. Yes, that's really helpful. And um, I know for myself that I always go through phases where I'm better with them and then I kind of not so good with them. I mean, I love what I'm doing, but I also realize you can even burn out when you work on something that you love. So you really have to just be aware of your reactions, I think, and how you're feeling really. Yeah. And, and I think it's step interesting. Away, stepping away from the news was really important for me. Like sometime end of March, it just got too much. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That was huge for me. I think because uh, we stayed with my parents for our mandatory two-week quarantine in, uh, when we got back from Canada because they had like left the country and been in the States like right before us because they were supposed to be coming to Panama. And so we stayed there. My parents watched the news every night. I mean, I'm so grateful for the fact that they like opened their door to us and let us come stay. I mean, my mom cooked for us for two weeks, which was amazing. And then we went and stayed with my husband's parents for three weeks and then my parents for one more week because 
It's also like a really weird time to rent when you don't own anything. Like, and when I say we don't own anything, I mean like we don't even own like a bed or a couch. We own like one frying pan. So it's like this really awkward time in the heat of this to be like, hey, can I rent from you? We own nothing. So we need all your stuff. And so we stayed with family for six weeks when we came home and so much news input. And it was just, I noticed so quickly how much that was impacting my mental health. And as soon as we had our own space, we just completely tuned out from the news. And yeah, just like you said, that was a really good thing to do. And then to your other point, I just wanted to touch on like, it's really interesting because I think that sometimes we get it in our head that when you're really passionate about something, you should just like want to do it whenever and you should want to put your whole like body and soul into it. And, you know, there shouldn't be like this guilt around around it because you should just want to do it. And I think that one thing I found was that can be a really slippery slope to get into a really dangerous mindset. Because what I found is when I wasn't giving myself time and space from my business, I was starting to resent my business. And then I was feeling guilty for these feelings around my business because I was like, this is what you wanted. You've worked so hard. You're so passionate about this. And I feel like it's like these two, like a devil angel on each shoulder, kind of like yelling at each other about both things. And I just had to kind of be like, whoa, okay, so why am I resentful? Because I'm not having any time to myself. If I can take time for myself, let me like step back from this come back into my why for doing this and then I'll feel a bit better. And that's what I did. And I do feel a lot better. So I think this idea that we can't burn out from things that we love is, is crazy. No, it's totally crazy. And there's so many amazing entrepreneurs who've done amazing things online, been really, really successful. And then had to take a break, like a year long break to, because of burnout. And it's like, always like when you hear about that, you're like, wow, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I know it also from the business world. I mean, not everybody who has a burnout hates their job. Most of them love what they're doing. So um, hopefully, since most of my listeners here are yoga teachers or wellness entrepreneurs, we know better. <laughs> we know to listen to our bodies or we sh- Definitely. It's still, you know, like you always need to remember that. And what really helped me because I had that problem when I was living in Bali and there, I mean, you have all those amazing entrepreneurs there. It's really, really inspiring. And, but you know, like they are like, they are working nights and weekends on their super cool projects. And so I was always feeling bad when I didn't work as much because I felt I didn't do enough for my business. And then when I was working a lot, I was feeling bad that I didn't enjoy Bali. <laughs> So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah. of this weird thing. And I think I think startup culture could shift a little bit, in my opinion, or those of us who are building things could shift our opinions away from kind of what's been idolized in startup culture, which is this like work all day, work all night, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't hustle. Like hustle is great. You want to have, you know, drive and determination with what you're doing. But you also want to remember that you're like a human being and part of what we need is we need rest. We need rest for our brains to be creative. We need rest physically. We need to move. So if you're just sitting all day, you know, that's not healthy long term. And mentally, we need space away from our businesses. And that stuff is so key, I think, to long term success. So I think this idea of like push, 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 go, 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 maybe it gets you like you know, propels your stuff forward, propels your business forward in the short term. But I think long term, it's not healthy and it's not sustainable also. So I think remembering that and I think yoga teachers can definitely get into this as well. You know, I've met yoga teachers that are teaching 30 plus classes a week. You know, previously they were driving all all over cities and then they're putting pressure on themselves to take on private clients, do workshops, um, maybe like create an online course. You know, that's a lot of stuff to take on. And you're inevitably at some point, probably on that seventh day of teaching, going to feel like, hey, I don't really want to put my heart and soul into this class. And then immediately that guilt is going to creep in that says like, but you love this. You worked so hard for this. You should be grateful for this. And that's when it becomes like a little bit tricky because our minds are so complicated. And I think that if anyone's in that position, especially during this crisis, maybe looking at where you can step back or how you can consolidate your schedule or looking at what's not serving you anymore. Because I think from my experience, 
forcing yourself to do something that you're showing up not feeling like a hundred percent into is not going to like propel you forward. So for me, I noticed in some of my client work, like when I was doing work on Sunday afternoons, instead of spending time with my partner, it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in doing this right now. And then feeling that guilt right away. And then I just recognized, okay, like I do want to do this work. I just don't want to do it on Sunday afternoon. So if I can do it on Friday afternoon, that's way better for me. Or if I can do it on Thursday afternoon and have project time on Friday, that's even better. And shifting that was huge because I recognized that the only reason the resentment was there was because I hadn't created those boundaries in my schedule. I think because you already shared all those tips about looking at all your projects, everything you do, um, putting it in a calendar, um, identifying like blocks of time that you have to work on things. And mm -hmm. then, you know, like um, take a real, real, be realistic about what you can achieve and about what projects you really need to focus on, what is going to help you move your business, your life forward. And I think also when it's like a really stressful time, go for the lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like what is like bringing you revenue immediately or like with less amount of work compared to other things. And yes, mm -hmm. and focus on one thing at a time. And that can be difficult when you are multi-passionate and there are so many amazing things to do and to learn and, you know. <laughs> Um, yes, even, trust me. Trust me. I know. <laughs> I even went I know, so far so once that I decided on a theme for every month of the year, um, what I wanted to learn. So, you know, because you so, see so many amazing things and then you start, okay, I'm going to do, learn about YouTube and how to create email sequences and all that. So let's just focus on one thing for a month. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think having a focus is so helpful. And I love the idea of doing themed learning. And I think that's such a cool idea because I mean, learning is a whole other side to the business, right? Like you want to con consistently be educating yourself. And sometimes when you're just like doing, 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 you don't make time for this learning aspect. And then you try to cram like five courses in, in one month. And then that normally doesn't go so well. So I love the idea of like theming out your whole year. Maybe I'll steal that for 2021. Yeah. Let me know how it goes because I have to admit I wasn't very <laughs> um, consequent with it. I mean, that's like one of the really, hardest things of working for yourself. Well, and it looked very beautiful mm -hmm. in my calendar, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, keeping yourself accountable is so hard. So hard. Yes, yes, of course. Um, if you could give our listeners one piece of work-life balance advice, what would it be? That's a great question. I think it would be set boundaries for yourself. And nobody else can do this but you. So I think getting really clear on what days you want to take off, what days you want to use for project time, what hours you're available in are really, really key. And then sticking to that. And the sticking to it is like probably the thing that I would say, at least for me, has been the trickiest. So writing out the boundaries is fine. I can write out, you know, these are my work hours. But then when something rolls in outside of those hours, you gotta, you got to be accountable to yourself. And a big part of that is just not checking your email, not checking your phone, not checking your communications and being, you know, diligent with that and giving yourself that time away and understanding that things aren't going to fall apart in, you know, the 12 hours that you don't check your phone or whatever it is. And yeah, finding something that works for you. Like if you don't want weekends off, but you want Monday, Tuesdays off, do that. If you're, you know, juggling parenting or distance learning or something, setting a schedule that works realistically for you and for your family and really holding those boundaries. Because I think that, like I said, you know, it wasn't anyone else who did this to me and during the pandemic time. I did this entirely to myself. I created resentment for myself. I created chaos. And I was the only one that could really get me out of this. I had to sit down and look at what's working, what's not working, reaffirm my organizational processes and systems and schedule, and then set those boundaries. So I, I think that would be my top tip. Great. Thank you so much for sharing all those that great advice and also for being vulnerable and sharing what's been going on in your life. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for this conversation. It it was it was actually really like nurturing and and healing to kind of talk through that. <laughs> I know, right? So it's sometimes we just need that. Yes. Oh, so this has been really awesome conversation and it was really cool to learn more about what's been going on for you and um, about your journey. So thanks for being here. Um, is there anything I forgot to ask that you still would like to share? I mean, beside where people can learn more about you, because that's something on my list too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, just if people want to learn more about me, they can find me over at mbomyoga.com. So mbomyoga.com, or you can search for Mastering the Business of Yoga on any podcast platform. So wherever you're listening to this, you can either search my search my name or my podcast and you'll find it. And if you want to listen along to that, I would I would love to have you there. And then I've also got a freebie. And this also went in a direction that I wasn't totally expecting. So I'll give you a second one. So maybe you can put those in the show notes for me, Suzanne. Yes, one's definitely. on five tips. Yeah, five tips for successful yoga teacher. And the other one is some of the tools and techniques that we talked about today around organization. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Yes, definitely check it out in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannoreicher.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Hey there, interrupting for a short announcement. I'm hosting a virtual bootcamp to help you kickstart your online business from May 6th to May 10th. And I would love to see you there. It's the make your first or next $5,000 online bootcamp. And you can save your spot for this free virtual event when you go to my website, susannereicher.com forward slash bootcamp. That's S-U-S-A-N-N-E-R-I-E-K-E-R.com forward slash bootcamp. I'm going to go live every day from Monday to Friday with a live training on how to elevate your vision, choose your profitable niche, amplify your content, nail down your signature offer to make your first or next $5,000. I can't believe how freaking fun, valuable, and powerful this virtual event is going to be. You'll get five live stream trainings, all of the recordings in case you can't make it live or need to leave early, access to my new community, the Midlife Biz Hive, including tons of additional trainings for you to dive in, the chance to ask any questions in our calls or in the community. It'll be amazing. This event is a real game changer, whether you're just starting out or you've been at it for a while, but feeling a bit stuck around the maybe $2,000 to $3,000 monthly mark. If you're eager for more and ready to figure out the online business puzzle, this is the perfect place to kickstart your journey to bigger and better results.